Uh, Bitcoin gets NFTs, but the community wants to censor it. Bankless Nation, it is the first Friday of February. It is time for the what, David? The Friday weekly roll-up where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto, which is always an ambitious endeavor, yet we persevere. Nonetheless, Ryan, I've drank about two times the amount of coffee that I usually do, so that is a fair warning to the bankless listeners out there. Your boy is caffeinated. Yeah, I could tell. I could tell from some of your Twitter activity. I had to like literally pull you away in order to do this show. <laughs> uh, slow down there, my boy. All right? We got... Uh, this this month though for you you're doing a lot of travel right you got some conferences coming up uh, I yeah, call it the conference month but you're like eh, it's not a conference month I'm like two conferences man that's a lot well, for me that would be like two they, years worth of conferences they, <laughs> they bookend the month so tomorrow I leave for Tel Aviv to go to the Starkware sessions uh, yeah. I'm very excited for that and then at the end of the in month in Israel in Israel yeah uh-huh. uh huh are you yeah, ready for those big brains. I mean, oh, you are God. a big brain in your in your element, but this is like it's cryptography a, that's different. Big yeah, it's cryptography, big brain. And <laughs> no, I'm not ready for that. Like uh, account abstraction, ZK roll ups like the, it really stretches what I, my brain is able to comprehend. Uh, we'll see if I come back broken or or not. We'll see. Or full of new ideas. Yeah, ho- hopefully the <laughs> okay. latter, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll So you got see. that, and we'll then what see. else? Denver? Uh, East Denver at the end of the month, which uh, is where uh, Bankless, the Bankless Nation is going to have its first ever in real life meetup, which we will talk about later in the show. That's awesome. All right, so what are we going to get into this week, David? First, we got to talk about the markets, Ryan, because the markets are hot. Token appetite is absolutely in. We're going to talk about the layer two tokens that are up. We're going to talk about the layer two app tokens that are up and some other layer ones as well. So that's coming in first. Uh, Caffeinated and bullish today. Caffeinated and bullish. It's the best combination. It's the best combination. Uh, After this, the FTX story continues. Uh, We're going to find out who exactly is paying for SBF's legal fees. Uh, And also, SBF trying to engage in witness tampering. Seriously? Uh, We'll talk about that. And also, third, uh, but also so much more after this, uh, Bitcoin has NFTs. Oh, cool. Yeah. Did you hear about this? Yeah, I heard about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure everyone in the Bitcoin community is super excited about uh, it, right? They, everyone, everyone loves it. Everyone loves <laughs> NFTs on Bitcoin. Not only NFTs on Bitcoin, Ryan, but uh, right before we were recording, uh, I was actually playing Doom on Bitcoin. You know Doom? Yeah. Doom. Ah. I, I, I remember I could uh, I could play that in my uh, TI eighty three calculator. Oh really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, to do math. Bitcoin. Is I'm at- not saying, by the way, that Bitcoin is a calculator. And Ethereum is like more like a smartphone. I'm not drawing that analogy at all, but uh, that's pretty cool. Doom what? on Bitcoin. I will absolutely draw that analogy. <laughs> Bitcoin is at least as powerful as a T84 calculator. Uh, so that and True. like so much more is going to come in this weekly roll-up. So make sure that you like and subscribe, rate and review wherever you are. These YouTube uh, these YouTube videos come out every Friday and podcasts as well. Uh, so make sure that you're subscribed so you don't miss a weekly roll-up. Oh, only rate it though if you're given a five star. Yes. If not, just don't, forget it. Just don't, yeah, five stars only. I think, I think our ra- rating is like 4.9. So if you give us a four star, you're actually bringing us down. Don't do that. <sighs> oh, well, I a just, bunch of haters just we, went yeah, and we, gave us uh, yeah, one star. It's going to be 4.8 tomorrow, next week. Sorry about that, guys. Hey, uh, one thing before we get, get in, got to tell them about this really cool new resource. It is called MetaMask Learn. You want to learn some crypto? 
You can start here. David, what are we looking at on screen? Uh, we are looking at a brand new educational platform from MetaMask. Uh, and so not only is MetaMask going to give you a self-custodial wallet, they will also teach you how to use it. Uh, but also if your friends or family are ever like, hey, can you teach me how to do crypto things? You can send Is that them the voice they use? Yes, is that what your family exactly sounds right. like? That's exactly all of every kind single of member. Voice. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you can send them to MetaMask Learn. Uh, and so that's learn.metamask.io. And it, it will walk you through some very basic crypto Web3 concepts. It will also teach you how to manage a wallet, but also teach you so much more. What is digital identity? Why self-custody is amazing. NFTs and creators. What is DeFi? Uh, yes. And so it's this uh, immersive platform, immersive and engaging platform for you to educate yourself or pass along the responsibility of educating others so you don't have to do that heavy lift onto MetaMask.Learn. So again, there's a link in the show notes, learn.metamask.io. This is really cool. You can actually simulate using a MetaMask wallet. It's like a course type structure optimized for learning. So thanks to our friends and sponsors at MetaMask for teeing us up with that. All right, David, let's get to the good stuff caffeinated and bullish. <laughs> you told us about the caffeine. Now tell us about the bullishness. What is Bitcoin doing on the week? Bitcoin starting the week at 22,750 and it is now up 5% to 23,880 at least at the time of recording. Actually no, it's at 24,000 because my numbers are already out of date. So 6%? 6%? 24k. Yeah. Uh, that feels good. That I'm, feels I'm happy about that. that feels uh, how about ETH yeah. price? ETH price starting the week at 1566. Ending the week. Oh, we are just. Oh, we just broke seventeen hundred. Oh, hey. that's great. Hey, seventeen hundred. Yeah. Wait, when well, was the last time we hit seventeen hundred? A very By the long way, time uh, ago. I'm zooming out. Look at this chart charting on Kraken Pro. Wow. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, Kraken the, Kraken, the Kraken Pro UX is awesome. I've been tinkering Killing. around. So you have Bitcoin US dollars. You have Ether US dollars. You have also the BTC ratio. Those are yeah. actually modular and you can drag them around and have multiple window views in the same screen. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure if you'll be able to, Ryan, because you're not a charter, but no, no, no. So it, other people would be able to figure for, this out. Normal people can. Normal, normal people can figure this out. It's not Ryan. <laughs> not, not Ryan, though. <laughs> well, this is great, man. Uh, we're, we're up and we're doing well. I mean, this has been a killer month. Where did we start at the beginning of uh, January? Oh, God, it was bad. Something like 1200 1200 1200 yeah 1200 at the start of the month we are at 1703 dollars at the time of recording breaking we just added 500 eth mm -hmm. in the month of january in the first day of february to eth yeah uh-huh that 1700 number is definitely some strong resistance we are just poking through it at the time of 1 40 p.m eastern time on thursday the second uh if we can poke through this resistance and hold that that is a big yes. deal that's a big Go deal on. 1700 yes. resistance is hard um, back to 4500k 4,500, I mean. 4,500K 4, would be a large number. <laughs> yeah, well, sorry, no, sorry. so like we have to actually break through it and then sustain it. Like we could hit the ceiling and bounce back down and that's also a possibility. But the fact that we are have our eyes above 1,700 is pretty damn good. Uh, so it, dead, it was David? up 7% when we were at the price of 1,677, but now we're at 1,702. So what is that, eight or 9%? Yeah. I mean, people getting bullish again and the question is bear market dead? Is, is the question, but I got to pause and say, uh, feels like it's been way too easy it has to kill the bear easy. market like I mean, this. It's it, like, it's all in one month, right? So, uh, it's been, it's moved fast. Things have moved it's fast. It's moved fast. Uh, it doesn't feel sustainable, at least to me, but what do I know? Let's look at the ETH Bitcoin ratio. What's that telling us? Uh, 0.0707, almost up to 0.071, starting the week at 0 0.069 almost up to 0 0.071. So definitely a good week for the ratio, up uh, 3%. And 
We've got to be above a trillion. 1.1 1. Oh, 1. 1 trillion? 1.135 trillion, yes. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. only 2 trillion off uh, our all-time highs. <laughs> only a casual 2 trillion. Yeah. I mean, it's not that, it's not that far. <coughs> We've <coughs> been much further away. We're above the 2017 highs. At least there's that. No, this is crazy. I think this is uh, giga bullish if mm -hmm. you're an ultrasound money fan like David and myself. Uh, we are the most deflationary since the merge i think we've ever been that's correct all-time lows in terms of eth supply since the merge am yes, i right about this that is correct eth price is at all-time high since the merge eth supply is at all-time low since the merge uh that is what i would call nice so nice. eth is selling blocks that's what this Bigly. means because every time it sells a block uh there's a little bit of a burnt eth and if that outstrips the amount of ETH issued, then you get the net issuance burn. And that's what we're seeing is burn. So mm -hmm. the product is hot. The product is selling. Uh, ETH blocks are being sold. And ETH, the asset, is net deflationary since since the merge. It's pretty crazy. Can we just run that, that calculation again? So supply chain since the merge, that is in September. September what? Was that September 14th? Yeah, when did the merge like happen? Yeah, I feel like I should know okay. that date. I feel like I should know that. 140 days since the merge. So 140 days ago, and we are negative 7,000 ETH. Let's just simulate if the merge hadn't happened. Let me press this button. Whoa. 1.638 <laughs> million. Wow. One Big point, difference. Hold on. I'm doing the math. I'm doing the math with my calculator. What are you doing? At 1,700. That is, oh, I have to turn it. I have to turn my iPhone sideways to get the number because it's, it's, too, it's too big. big. 2.7 billion dollars of Ether has not been issued since the merge because of proof of stake. 2.7, oh, actually 2.8, 2.8 billion dollars has not been minted and sold to miners. Instead, that means 2.7 billion of selling pressure removed from the market. We would have had to sell that ETH into the market and ETH price would be a lot, it would be lower than 1700 if the market had to absorb all of that selling pressure through buys. So instead of two, instead of issuing 2.8 billion dollars, Ether has reclaimed 12 million dollars. And I mean, 12 way, million is not a large number compared to 2.8 billion, but the fact yeah. that we are reclaiming 12 million dollars of economic energy instead of losing 2.8 billion dollars of economic energy is massive. Jeez. I could watch this chart all day. I, th I, mean, I could I could talk about this all day. We know. Th we know this, this is like a sometimes I do. a dividend back to all ETH holders too, right? Because that burn mm -hmm. gets evenly distributed, yes. I suppose, in terms of upside to, to holders, everyone that yeah. owns ETH. So this is not a validator feature. This is a you're just a you're an average ETH holder feature. ETH. Yes. Huh. So good. All right. So well, awesome. we got more markets to cover. Let's talk a little bit about some of the news in the markets. Got to talk about the Fed Watch. So the FMOC meeting happened this week. Did we go higher or lower? Uh, or did we say the same on the interest rate, David? Uh, the interest rates, Ryan, went up. They went okay. up by 25 basis points, a.k.a. 0.25%. I hate the word basis points. It's so dumb. You hate that word? I hate it. 25 basis points? Yeah. I think 0. it makes people sound cool. Yeah, it sounds like you, uh, I feel like you have to wear a tie, a suit and a tie to say those words. I think that most people don't understand what a basis point is out there in the real world and so saying it automatically makes yourself like makes you a fin right like a, fin, a finance a bro, bro or something yeah fine yeah uh-huh yeah it's uh, like quantitative so, easing do you mean yeah. do you mean money printing is that what yeah. you mean <laughs> yeah yeah i get it i I'm, I'm not a huge fan but i do feel a little cool when i say it sometimes <laughs> so i'm not, not gonna promise to never say it on bankless don't call me a hypocrite <laughs> anyway we're off subject but that is 0.25 25 basis points is less <laughs> 
than usual, right? Because usually it's yes. about 0.5 or 0.75. Is mm-hmm. that what it's been historically for the yes. last few I, raises? I think that's right. I think this is the the smallest rate hike that we've had since we've started hiking. I think that's correct. Well, Powell says policy is going to remain restrictive for some time. He says this. That's what he we says. We have to complete the job. That's what we're here for. <laughs> have to complete the job. That's what you're here for. Staying steady, staying restrictive. But uh, a lot of people say kind of the worst is over. This was um, <coughs> some of the sentiment reflected on uh, our podcast mm-hmm. with not only Chris Berninski, uh, that episode came out earlier this week, but also Eric Peters, which um, he has One River uh, Capital Management, very large crypto hedge fund. David and I caught up with him and talked to him. That episode is coming out not next week, but the week after. He said the same thing. Basically, the worst is over. And so we might still get some more raises, of course, in the future, but we've the rate of change has slowed. Okay. Right. Like yeah. we're, we're beginning the descent, uh, I suppose uh, you might say. And I think that's what the market is reacting to. Is mm-hmm. that why we're up this week, David? Uh, that's, as soon as the 25 basis points news broke, markets across the board, both crypto and trad markets, all pumped bigly. The S and P five hundred jumped to one percent, which is a huge move for the S and P. Big move, S and P. Big moves. <laughs> Try to get. Yeah, that's a one percent move. Yeah, everyone's excited about that. The, mm-hmm. the the Federal Reserve raised rates. Chair Powell says it's premature to declare victory against inflation. So we may have topped on inflation, but premature to declare victory. Um, yeah, the S and P up one percent. I would Dow just like to point out that Genesis Capital was announced going to bankruptcy. Yes. The markets did not respond negatively. In fact, okay. they started pumping afterwards. The lower interest rate hike was announced and markets did respond very positively to that. So markets are not being negative to bad news and they are being positive to good news. So that are those are signals to pay attention to. I think the next big thing is the CPA, the February, January CPI print, which will come out in like a week or so. Uh, and if that is negative, that will be the fourth month in a row of negative inflation reporting. Uh, and I would expect if that does happen, that markets would respond positively to that if it does happen. Happy music again. But it doesn't feel like it's over. I feel like no. all of this has been too easy, David. There's something yeah. like that in the pit of my stomach. Uh, DYD, or DXY, so that is the dollar index, mm-hmm. down four months in a row. This is a chart that you put up. Mm-hmm. Why do we care about the dollar strength? Uh, the dollar strength is falling four months in a row, which is just indicating that uh, there is appetite to go out of dollars, uh, to sell, sell dollars for other things. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah that's interesting. We, we uh, like continuation. In the Eurozone, meanwhile, in Europe, inflation eased more than anticipated. Uh, and there's some debate, I guess, being had over the uh, European Central Bank rate policy. What should they mm-hmm. do in the future? Should they begin hitting the brakes uh, or what? So similar sentiment happening in Europe at this point in time. I have no further comments. I would like to, I would like to talk about tokens now. Can we talk about tokens? Yes. David has no further comments on the ECB. I don't have any very much on to talk European about. Inf- I would like to talk about the tokens, Ryan. <laughs> tokens are up. Tokens I told are you. up. Caffeinated and bullish. <laughs> I told you it was going to happen. Uh, what are we looking at? Is this monthly price for OP? 
Immutable, IMX, and Matic. Uh, these are no, yeah, these are actually twenty-four hour prices. However, uh, <laughs> monthly prices are also yeah. I can't make CoinGecko report monthly prices. Uh, okay. These are the prices in the last twenty-four hours. Optimism, I bet I could do that. Screaming to brand new all-time highs. Optimism coming in at two dollars and eighty-two cents. That's up twenty-five percent in the last twenty-four hours. Mm. Uh, immutable up nineteen percent in the last twenty-four hours. Matic up thirteen percent in the last twenty-four hours. But uh, monthly price movements are pretty like they're green. They're very, very green. Like optimism has been hitting all time highs all month. Uh, Matic is coming back very strongly. L2 tokens are in right now. Big in, in, uh, in dude, what? you know, what's crazy. The yeah. optimism fully diluted valuation is basically on par with the polygon fully diluted valuation. What? That's, yeah. Yeah. Wow. 12, 12.1 billion for optimism and 12.4 billion for, for polygon. Wow. Now, one big difference is, of course, optimism has a lot more tokens locked up. Yes. If you look at that yes. uh, market cap in terms of liquid supply, mm -hmm. so it's a lot lower on yes. the optimism no, side. That's versus a, definitely the side. something to point out. Yeah. So, point, so 600 million is the market cap for optimism. So that's how many mm. tokens are actually liquid in trading. Uh, but the market cap for Polygon is 11 billion. So uh, Polygon has gone through much more price discovery than Optimism has. Did you say IMX too? That's the Immutable X uh, token that's up 20%. Yeah. Almost mm -hmm. in the last mm -hmm. 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, pretty crazy. Whoa. We got some more tokens here. More tokens. More tokens Magic, are bullish. Magic, GMX, yeah. and Velodrome. Uh, yeah. They are also doing things. Yeah, so these are just a, a three tokens, just because I, that's the space that we have on screen. Uh, three tokens that I picked out. Arbitrum tokens, all kind of just the charts just all look so good. GMX, uh, $68, up 20%. That was the one, that was the token that was the only token that actually went up in 2022, and it's continuing to go up in 2023 so far. Uh, Magic uh, is a, a token that I have exposure to, so uh, uh, disclaimer, uh, is it's just printing new new all-time highs. Velodrome, which is a token on Optimism, also hitting uh, local highs. Just the, the L2 trade is on right now, big time. L2 trade, that, that is carrying over not only to the layer two asset itself, but mm -hmm. also to some the of the layer, major flagship yeah. tokens mm -hmm. in the app layer mm -hmm. on top of them. Um, how about Canto? So this mm -hmm. is another... I think a layer one story, yeah. and uh, we brought this chart in here for a reason. This is the 24-hour view, but I want to look at the 30-freaking-day view. Look at wow. this. From, uh, I'll view it in market cap. How's that? So we went from a $35 million market cap beginning of January all the way to $230 million market cap at 10X. this point in time. A little 10x in January. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, should tokens be doing that? Are we sure about this one? What's happening over in Canto world? Uh, so Variant put out a blog post about their position in uh, Canto and then also kind of uh, talked about uh, why what their what their deal is with it and why they why they believe in it. So they call it a layer one incentive experiment. So Canto, uh, they, they use a bunch of just like um, they use a bunch of wild we going west metaphors, which, you know, you, you know, gets me going. Uh, and they talk about like nationalizing a lot of the infrastructure that gets built and uh, gets it built into the chain. So Canto has a decentralized exchange, a lending market and a stable coin, all uh, quote unquote nationalized public goods built into the chain itself. Uh, and so after they uh, released this uh, blog post, it just kind of created a attention and sufficient attention on Canto. And when now you say nationalized, are you talking about like uh, in the similar way? I almost think, um, you know, Terra and Luna. Mm -hmm like um, Terra kind of nationalized an algorithmic stablecoin, right? Mm -hmm. Because it had USDT that was backed by Luna. 
and it was mm-hmm. sort of part of the same, the, the entire ecosystem. Is that kind of what Kanto is doing with some of these protocols? I think so. But then I like communicated that point is like, yeah, like Kanto is taking like infrastructure and nationalizing and trying into the base lane, base chain. And then Scott, the founder was like, that's not right. Uh, and so I'm kind of confused about, I thought that that's right. And that's what this article says. Uh, is I that guess what you've I been have- getting on Twitter fights over all morning? A little bit, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, well, you know what? We're going to have them on, I think, next week, mm-hmm. right, to um, understand what is happening with Kanto and, and how this chain is structured. It is not a layer two, though. No, this, this is, is a layer, layer one. one. We are talking about a layer one right now. Yeah, yeah. a different different is, layer one. What, what is this built on? Is this built on a Tenderbit? Is this like Cosmos uh, app chain thing? It's an EVM-compatible chain, so EVM fork uh, with a bridge to Ethereum. Uh, I don't know how the bridge works, so bridge at your own risk. Uh, Yeah, but we're having Zach Cole. For those that remember Zach Cole, uh, super hilarious guy. Uh, Used to be at White Blocks, uh, just been in the space for a very long time. Uh, Very funny guy. Uh, Zach Cole's coming on to talk about Kanto. Interesting. Well, beware of this. I I think when a token pumps, uh, you know, 10x, um, you know, beware, but also it's something to investigate. So we're going to continue the investigation Mm -hmm. uh, of that next week. Um, There's some other things that we got to talk about. Uh, in 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 sort of pump news, mm. well, one was DYDX. We talked about that a little bit last week, David. DYDX was pumping because they changed the vesting schedule. I guess more information has come right. out about that vesting schedule. It seems like maybe mistakes were made. Mm. Some of this wasn't smart contract secured. Uh, tell us the story about DYDX's pump and subsequent vesting uh, controversy. Yeah, so when DYDX uh, kicked out their vesting unlock like six months, and then it created the DYDX pump that we've seen recently, uh, at least that's how people are in, in, analyzing it. And as a result of that, that put attention onto the vesting schedule. So this one uh, on-chain sleuth, if you will, on-chain investigator, went to go check out what the uh, vesting contracts actually looked like uh and they, they end up their, their their tweet their their first tweet of the, on this thread saying it's not pretty uh and then so that triggered me to read this thread uh to go investigate and i'm reminded of here's a, here's a fun little side side quest of a story ryan there was this lawyer uh back in the ico days that went and actually investigated the claimed smart contracts of the token t- lockup schedules for teams and so teams would say like, hey, here's here's the team allocation. We're vested for this long and we have this much supply. And then the lawyer went and actually investigated the smart contracts to see if the smart contracts that of the tokens actually resembled what was stated by the public literature of the ICOs. And he said that he discovered something like 85% of ICOs did not actually have their stated vesting schedules codified in the smart contract. It was just like, trust so me, bro. So it was just a, just a pinky promise then. Pinky promise, yeah. Tr- mm-hmm, exactly. Cool. When you could have put it into a smart contract, you just didn't and said like, oh, we were, we'll just abide by it, you know? Um, I, we, yeah. Guess what, Unbelievable. Guess, uh, what the name of this professor was. I uh, don't know. What's the name? Dave Hoffman. No way. Yeah. Uh-huh. We wow. follow, yeah, we follow each other on Twitter. He doesn't really care about the crypto world. No, he doesn't really care. He doesn't really care about the crypto world, but when the ICO mania was going, he decided to write right That's up. right, Dave uh-huh. Hoffman. There can only be one David Hoffman, all right? <laughs> He's on bank. Yeah. <laughs> Go flee to another industry. Anyways, I think you can see where we're <laughs> 
Anyways, I think you can see where we're going with this. Uh, DYDX did not enforce investing schedules in their smart contract. It's a little sloppy. Oops. Yeah. Come on, guys. Like, this is what a smart contract does. Uh, it does yeah. this work for you. Uh, and so uh, this uh, Spreak, this account, went and investigated all of the uh, investor allocations and noticed that people were selling uh, and, then, and then later buying back the tokens that they sold. Uh, and it's impossible to, t to tell what is an oopsie versus what is actually being malicious. Uh, Brian Armstrong actually is in this list. And it's I think it's pretty easy to identify that Brian Armstrong made a whoopsie. Uh, yeah, he's got a lot to lose. He's got a lot, he of, lot to lose. Yeah, yeah. Sold, sold his DYDX allocations and then went and bought it back like pretty damn quickly afterwards uh, yeah. because they didn't enforce it in the smart contract level. Other investors have very clearly sold their tokens and not yeah. uh, bought back their tokens. But I think the conclusion, the speculative conclusion of this uh, tweet thread person says that like uh, it's clearly someone at DYDX in the DYDX. DYDX comms or compliance are like reaching out to people who sold their DYDX tokens and then say, hey, dude, you're still vested. You have to go yeah, buy back your right. tokens. Look, look, a little bit of sloppiness, right? That's really um, sloppy. They're trying to unwind it. Um, I, I guess what I'm excited about is uh, we can see all of we this can on see chain. It. We can see you we guys. We get to see it on <laughs> chain. You know, we, we had to take that um, in 2022, the reason DeFi held up and CeFi didn't Mm -hmm. was because DeFi was regulated and CeFi wasn't. Mm -hmm. DeFi was regulated and CeFi wasn't. You know how it was regulated, David? Smart contract. By code. By co yeah. By code. You mean the reason right? why we're here? Yeah. It was like we had the regulation on chain so you could see what was backing an asset like Aave, what was backing an asset mm -hmm. like Compound. We didn't need the regulators, quote unquote, because that regulation was enforced by a code on chain where anyone can audit it. Okay. But when CFI was involved, it actually needed <coughs> some regulators to step in and make sure that people were uh, people were respecting the pinky promise right. and were actually doing what they said they were going to do right. and that there were penalties if they didn't. Mm -hmm. So I guess the takeaway here is like, uh, hey, DeFi, let's make sure when we have vesting contracts, let's make sure we are enforcing them via smart contracts because that's what <laughs> we have this we have the tools <laughs> yeah let's not let's not be dumb about it oh my god uh, anyway what else we got here this is coinbase coin, it is also yeah. up coin yes coin, mm -hmm. the, the token i almost said it's not a token is it what god, is this i thing? wish it was coin. a token yeah so this is, is uh, this thing called equity the equity, equity equity ticker symbol is called is coin. It is the equity okay. of Coinbase, the exchange. Can I buy it on Uniswap? It's traded on the NASDAQ, and it's what? also up 150% from the bottom. There you go. Well, you know, it, it was ridiculously low before, so we'll see if it can sustain that. But yeah. uh, also mm -hmm. some good news of mm -hmm. maybe... Uh, out of the bear market. Um, this was a this, this was a funny not... a funny headline. Uh, Cell token, <laughs> the Celsius token, rallies 150 percent after Judge Martin Glenn ordered that Celsius assets put under custody by OpenAI's ChatGPT. De uh, depositors need a capable, strong decision maker at the helm, said Glenn, which is why the court has decided to turn full control over Celsius's asset management over to ChatGPT. Celsius token pumps. 150%. David, you actually got me this time. Oh, wait, really? You actually got me. <laughs> I can't believe that. Okay, this is this is the rug. Uh, we said that we would do this last week. Uh, so I guess this means I was not we'll, paying attention we'll, to our we'll be keeping this. Yeah, so this is a rug. Uh, so this is the onion of crypto. This is not, this did not actually this happen. This did not actually happen. Celsius didn't even even rally, did it? No, it did. I don't even know. I'm sure it's on the floor, but <laughs> this on, is, Ryan got rugged. Uh, so congratulations yeah, to the rugged. team at the rug. You guys 
rug never to happen buy again, though. Uh, so yes, uh, what is the rug? If you missed it last week, the rug is the onion of crypto. It's a product out of the bankless DAO. Uh, you can go to therug.mirror.xyz if you would like to collect this rug. Collect the rug that rugged, successfully rugged Ryan. Uh, Ryan God. got rugged. Can't believe it. It'll never happen again. That's a one of one. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. That's markets, David. We got a lot more to cover, though. Big news stuff. What's happening uh, coming up next? The List of FTX creditors full of famous names. So we're going to read off famous names that FTX owes some money to. Uh, Bitcoin gets NFTs, but the community wants to censor it. Uh, and there's also some other stuff as well. There's uh, the Blur versus OpenSea Wars. Cardano, Ryan, gets a stable coin. And Bedrock goes to governance vote as well as so much more. But first, a moment to talk about these sponsors that make this episode possible, especially Kraken, which is our preferred exchange for 2023, because Kraken's been around for 11 years and definitely plans to be around for the long term as well. Here we go. Kraken has been a leader in the crypto industry for the last 12 years. Dedicated to accelerating the global adoption of crypto, Kraken puts an emphasis on security, transparency, and client support, which is why over 9 million clients have come to love Kraken's products. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, the Kraken UX is simple, intuitive, and frictionless, making the Kraken app a great place for all to get involved and learn about crypto. For those with experience, the redesigned Kraken Pro app and web experience is completely customizable to your trading needs, integrating key trading features into one seamless interface. Kraken has a 24-7, 365 client support team that is globally recognized. Kraken support is available wherever, whenever you need them, by phone, chat, or email. And for all of you NFTers out there, the brand new Kraken NFT beta platform gives you the best NFT trading experience possible. Rarity rankings, no gas fees, and the ability to buy an NFT straight with cash. Does your crypto exchange prioritize its customers the way that Kraken does? And if not, sign up with Kraken at kraken.com. How many total airdrops have you gotten? This last bull market had a ton of them. Did you get them all? Maybe you missed one. So here's what you should do. Go to Earnify and plug in your Ethereum wallet and Earnify will tell you if you have any unclaimed airdrops that you can get. And it also does POAPs and mintable NFTs. Any kind of money that your wallet can claim, Earnify will tell you about it. And you should probably do it now because some airdrops expire. And if you sign up for Earnify, they'll email you anytime one of your wallets has a new airdrop for it to make sure that you never lose an airdrop ever again. You can also upgrade to Earnify Premium to unlock access to airdrops that are beyond the basics and are able to set reminders for more wallets. And for just under $21 a month, it probably pays for itself with just one airdrop. So plug in your wallets at Earnify and see what you get. That's E-A-R-N-I dot F-I. And make sure you never lose another airdrop. Bitcoin has NFTs. But Bitcoin maxis don't actually want this to happen. Of course not. David, uh, this is an interesting story. I've been following a little bit on crypto Twitter, um, nudging there in, here and there in the in the debate circle as well. But tell us what's happening. How is Bitcoin getting NFTs? I didn't know this was possible. Yeah, so there's this new protocol called Ordinals, which is a protocol that converts individual Satoshi, so one Satoshi, into a non-fungible digital artifact, aka NFT. What do you mean uh, by this has caused a bunch of controversy? So this what actually. What do you mean by a Satoshi, David? That's like the the unit of Bitcoin, right? The smallest unit the smallest, of Bitcoin. The exactly. equivalent would be a guay. A way. A way is a thousand. A way. A way is the smallest unit. God, Ryan, you. get your ETH Maxi hat on. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and so, yeah, so Ordinals, so there's this, um, the, uh, when Taproot came into Bitcoin, it created what is kind of like blob space on Bitcoin, 
an extra way to put data into the blockchain. Bitcoin it's a trans- data availability layer for Bitcoin. Yes. Kind of. It, it's not a one to one, but it's the correct mental model to, to understand this. Okay. Uh, and so um, the, the way that this works is that because there's this extra way to add data to Bitcoin, uh, you can add more kinds of data than what would otherwise be a compliant transaction. Uh, and so uh, ordinals allows you to mint and store data on the Bitcoin blockchain with no external dependencies, no IPFS. Uh, and so when you put data like this on the blockchain, the full kind of data is there. So these NFTs are on the Bitcoin blockchain forever. So these wait, wait. So the NFTs I'm looking at right now, and by mm-hmm. the way, this looks like almost like a sound NFT. Yeah, maybe? it's 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 data, dude. You can put data on Bitcoin now through ordinals. Wow. So yeah. guys, if you're not seeing this uh, on screen, if you're listening to this podcast, I, what I'm looking at is um, Bitcoin NFTs mm-hmm. that are actually on Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. A little slow to load. Um, you know, the TI-83s takes a little bit to boot up. Here it is. Um, <laughs> different apes, I see. Yeah. These are not board apes. The, well, they kind of resemble them. They P- look like pixelated, board ape derivatives. Uh, yeah. apes. I saw some, you know, sound files here. Some weird stuff, but like, they look like NFTs. My understanding of these things, David, is like these are fully on chain. Yes. So it's not like in IPFS right. somewhere uh, or Arweave. This mm-hmm. is actually on the Bitcoin blockchain. And uh, you have to pay fees, mm-hmm. like yeah. Bitcoin fees, yeah. in order to store this data on the yeah. Bitcoin blockchain. Right. Like you have Bitcoin, to consume Bitcoin sells BTC blocks. gas. They Did do you know, too. Bitcoin also, just like Ethereum, Bitcoin also sells blocks. And so, if you okay. would like to put your data on Bitcoin, you have to buy that block space. Well, this sounds great. How exciting! Bitcoin is now entering right. NFTs. I'm sure everyone was really excited about this. If people want to consume Bitcoin block space and to put data there, they are free to do so. Um, not everyone was excited about this this is this is a nice visualization so this on the left side we have a what's uh, this website is projecting as a projected block and so these are all transactions the squares are the size of the data so the big squares are like bundles of transactions where the smaller squares are individual transactions uh and then on the right you have an ordinal which you can see why it takes the whole block it takes the whole because you can you can take up uh, so as long as you pay for it bitcoin is supposed to go up to like one megabyte of normal transaction fees but because of the way taproot works it can or segwit or something you can go all the way up to four megabytes Uh, Mm -hmm. and so through ordinals you can squeeze in four megabytes of data onto the block uh, just so i understand what i'm looking at so is all that what is the significance of um this is a, a, a Bitcoin a block, right? Right. Full size. Tra- these are transactions on the left. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Is the purple basically um, used block space and the green kind of unused block space? I don't know. No, I, th- I don't know the difference between um, the colors. The size is the size of data. And the okay. idea is that like more like you can bundle up multiple transactions into one transaction. So like a big block on the left side would be like Coinbase sending 50 Bitcoin transactions at once or 100 Bitcoin transactions at once. A batch. Maybe. A batch transfer. Yes. Okay. But then this actual block, what we're this seeing is blue block just takes is, the whole thing. is an NFT. That's an NFT on Bitcoin. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So um, they're selling block space. That's a good thing. It's big, big block revenue. Big block okay. revenue. Uh, so this is Katie, uh, Casey, excuse me, Rodemore, uh, who is the creator of Ordinals. Uh, and there has been a bunch of resistance from the Bitcoin world about this and how some are, have said it is an illegitimate use of Bitcoin. Illegitimate well, transactions are the words bef- that they Before we get used. to Casey's take, can we talk about some of the like the, the pushback against Wait, this? Show that show the revenue chart. Go up, go scroll up and show the revenue chart. Okay. That one. This? Yeah. 
or excuse me, that's not, that's not revenue, but that's block size, but it's kind of the same thing. Uh, so ordinals are inflating block sizes and weights, also generating fees from, for, uh, for miners. Uh, and so block size is up block fees are up and miners are making more money. All right, David. So, so what's the controversy? They're selling blocks. Why are people upset? Well, when you take all of that block space and you allow it to be uh, for an NFT, you're pushing out, you know, what Bitcoin maxis are calling legitimate Bitcoin transactions, as in BTC transfers, which is the narrative of what the point of Bitcoin is. Is Bitcoin? What does Bitcoin do? It transfers Bitcoins from account to account. When you fill up all that space with a JPEG, you get reactions like this. Who is uh, this? Is Dr. Nick, which I'm going to guess is a Bitcoin maxi. Evil JPEGs are invading the sacred Bitcoin block space. Space. This Maybe, also could be satire. Dude. This also could be satire. Uh, but satire. but the point is, is that that is people's takes. Like people, that is a that is a Bitcoin take that that we've seen or or and with takes like it, right? So here's Adam back uh, saying it's fair game for miners to censor this crap as a form of discouragement. Saying like, yeah, okay, we don't have to allow this crap into our blockchain. Like miners to just like not allow these transactions to make it into the chain, which is. Um, a, a take. That's a take. Yeah, he's saying we can recognize Adam back again. We can recognize we can't really stop them, and it's a free world with anonymous miners. But we can also educate and encourage developers who care about Bitcoin's use case to either not do that or to do it in a printable, space efficient, e.g., timestamp way. They're trying to enforce this on the social layer, I right. suppose, because they don't have any other recourse. <laughs> and including in the social layer is also miners. Maybe if you could mm -hmm. convince miners not to process these uh, sorts of blocks, then maybe you've got something. But aren't miners just interest, rational, interested, um, rationally interested actors? And so yeah. they'll just block mine. They'll whatever take, block they'll take the largest fee. Yeah, they yeah, they want Bitcoin. They want as much as much Bitcoin as possible. So they take the highest fee as possible, so, and so the highest fee is going to be paid by NFTs. What's Eric Wall's take on uh, the Bitcoin takes here? Uh, so this is a response to how like Bitcoiners are like talking about how Ethereum is quote unquote you know censored because of OFAC, even though that's completely not true. So Eric Eric is saying Bitcoin maxis raffle coptered at Ethereum validators <laughs> censoring OFAC transactions. When's the last time you heard the word raffle copter? Middle um, school. Uh, yeah, and now themselves are deliberating ways of censoring Bitcoin NFTs, and so uh, the irony is not lost on Eric wall nor myself okay nor me nor this me. is the creator of this uh, protocol what's a protocol called again ordinals ordinals okay this yeah. is the, the creator of ordinals mm -hmm. and what is he saying here i understand the argument that nfts are lame and stupid but i don't understand the argument that nfts are somehow illegitimate bitcoin has transcended its original creator and purpose bitcoin is not for some things and not and not for other things, Bitcoin just is. Which is just to say that there is no such thing as a legitimate or illegitimate use of Bitcoin block space. If you pay for the block space, it's a legitimate transaction, is my attitude, and that's what Casey is saying as well. How come this guy sounds more Bitcoiner than Adam and Back does right now? I don't know, because uh, some Bitcoiners have lost the plot. What are these? What's this? Uh, this is a looks like Ether rocks were transposed to the Bitcoin blockchain. Ether rocks and NFT. Uh, so now there's a bunch of Ethereum Ether oh, rocks that's make people on, mad. on Bitcoin. Yeah, those things go. Is this the Doom that you were talking about? Inscription yeah. So, so this was what I was t tinkering around with. I couldn't figure out how to turn, but like you, you can probably play that, right? You can probably play that right now. It's hit WASD on your keyboard. Uh, oh, yeah, you yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're it. playing. You're playing Doom. Shoot those guys. Shoot them. Uh, with spacebar. Uh, I don't Command. know actually. People Pop. people are trying to figure out how to control this thing. I've only figured out how <laughs> I to. I can move. go forward, backward, up, down. <laughs> but Ryan is currently playing Doom on Bitcoin right now. Wow, what a magical experience! Who said yeah. Bitcoin is useless? Do you know what? Um, <laughs> he, here's what I feel about this debate, though. Like, 
Uh, transaction fees are real down. Oh, I yeah. just got shot. Dude, I'm escaping out of this game. Um, <laughs> let's go to crypto fees before these guys kill me. Go to cryptofees.info. Let's look at the transaction fees. So Ethereum is selling 4.2 million. Dude, 4. you, you million. haven't seen Bitcoin this high in such a long time. <laughs> Bitcoin is selling, this is the average daily fees, 4.2 million for Ethereum. Average daily fees are 328K for Bitcoin. That's a, I remember that's a time. Really high. <laughs> I remember time when Bitcoin was way bigger than Ethereum in terms mm -hmm. of transaction fees. Yeah. And I remember um, people like Nick Carter would actually talk about this yeah. and say how good this was for Bitcoin, showed yeah. the strength of Bitcoin. Now it's way down. If you are a Bitcoiner, don't you want to right. increase Bitcoin block space sales? Because over time, your issuance goes to zero. It's going to go to zero. And then the only way you can actually secure your network is through block space fee sales. Mm -hmm. So you want these to be as high as possible, don't you? What am I missing here? Well, so the, the Bitcoiner philosophy is that this uh, removes the moneyness of Bitcoin. So the the... The comparison here is that gold, the money, gold, the value of gold is like 99.99% monetary premium and like 0.001% use in industry, like gold wires, like gold teeth, gold plating and stuff like that. And uh, Bitcoin philosophy is that it's bullish that to have only monetary premium and no utility because you're just a money. And that is that like immaculate conception story. It's all about, you know, premium, yeah, yeah, premium, premium. I, I get that. But in order to do that, you actually have to make... Um, you actually have to win that narrative battle and mm -hmm. make Bitcoin enough money so that the Bitcoin transactions crowd out all of the other use right. of Bitcoin block space. Right. Like right. you have to earn that. You can't just, this is the way we want it. Right. Bitcoin has to earn those blocks, sure. doesn't it? Sure. Okay. Um, yes. Uh, so what's happening here is that Bitcoin is actually growing in utility as in, hey, we can use the Bitcoin block space to store data and do things with those data. Now, fun fact, this is actually the same philosophy as Bitcoin Satoshi's vision, which is definitely not, uh, I don't claim to uh, understand. The, Craig, the scam project by Craig Wright? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, whether it's definitely not Satoshi's vision, not that I know what Satoshi's vision was, but no one knows what Satoshi's vision was. But the idea of Satoshi's vision is like they had something like gigabyte size blocks or something like 256 megabyte size blocks, something crazy. Yeah. And they would put like they would just like have it log weather. like weather, like just log the weather state data. of the world. Like and they started with weather data. But the idea was that you would just be able to put all the data on Bitcoin. Bitcoin SV. Uh, and so this is a little bit on that spectrum, right? Like enough, like four megabytes for NFTs on Bitcoin so that you can host data on Bitcoin and generate block space demand uh, for that. So that, that's kind of what's happening here. Uh, and then Bitcoiners are like, no, Bitcoin is for money and money alone. We should say some Bitcoiners. It's some a, Bitcoiners. More the fundamentalist tribes. Sorry, sorry to, yeah. I don't mean to blanket all Bitcoiners. <laughs> It's interesting. I It's very interesting to see how this uh, kind of evolves over time, David. And uh, in order to facilitate these conversations, because that's what Bankless does, we like to facilitate conversation, uh, I'm hosting Eric Wall and Casey Rodimer. Rodimer uh, we're recording tonight. We might be live streaming, uh, or and if we're not live streaming, then we'll re release it later. Uh, but the uh, creator of Ordinals plus Eric Wall, who's my Bitcoiner uh, substitute co-host on Bankless, uh, to come in and, and talk about this. Uh, so we're recording that tonight. That show will be out soon. That will be fascinating. Um, <laughs> all right, let's talk about FTX. So FTX creditor list, it was released and mm -hmm. it includes 
a whole bunch of star athletes, crypto firms, and state governments. David, mm-hmm. who does FTX owe money at this point? What are some of the names? Give us the you, juicy details. I think I can do this all in one breath. You ready? Yeah, go. Okay, a list of creditors are Apple, Amazon Web Services, Meta, LinkedIn, Twitter, Netflix, Adobe, Coinbase, Binance Capital Man- Management, Chainalysis, Yuga Labs, Doodles, BlockFi, Silvergate Bank, Wall Street Journal, Coindesk, Benzinga, Tom Brady, David Ortiz from the Red Sox, the Prime Minister of Bahamas, other government officials for other island nations, as well as U.S. state tax, consumer affairs, and attorney general offices. Uh, that was just that was just the names that we put decided to say. <laughs> there are other nice names job. as well. <laughs> nice job. You need a breath. Um, this just in as well. Judge A judge rules that the identities of two people who helped secure SBF's $250 million bail can be made public. So outstanding question is, how did SBF get the money for bail? Because mm-hmm. I thought his account was down to kind of zero at this point. 100, and everything 000. else was frozen. $100,000. Uh, he has $100,000. So he says. He, so he says. So he says. But so we were about we're gonna, to find out who posted $250 million of bail and probably also where that money came from. But no, we do not know yet. Who do you think it was? Any guesses? Uh, CZ. I, <laughs> <laughs> the least likely person to do it would be CZ. Oh my Gotta God. Gotta have some friends with a lot of money. I guess somewhere. I mean, who he, still he, is... Who still is SBF's friend with a lot of money at this point? Because I, I it seems hope it's like a Democrat. <laughs> a lot of the friends. Why do you hope this? Because <laughs> of peak drama. <laughs> okay. D- David is optimizing for peak drama right now. I'm optimizing wow. for drama right now, yeah. Do, do you know, so like, because he's lost his friends, a lot of money. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard to imagine any friend who would have this kind of resource. So yeah. let's see. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. There's zero people who have to consider themselves SBF friends anymore. Mm. I don't know. Maybe he's still got some friends for some reason. There's also some uh, maybe evidence, <coughs> it's hard to know, of witness tampering here. This is a tweet from uh, Tier10K, the account. It, I, I should uh, mention, we haven't checked this as a source, so I'm not sure right. 100%. But this is allegedly an email from Sam Bankman-Fried to possibly a witness in the entire FDX case. And this is SBF saying, hey, blank, I know it's been a while since we've talked. Now I know things have ended up in the wrong foot. Mm. I would really love to reconnect and see if there's a way for us to have a constructive relationship, use each other's resor- as resources when possible, or at least vet things with each other. <laughs> I mean, what do you think is the implication of this type of an email, assuming it's true, David? Uh, I mean, I, I, it's easy to tell an email when the through line is, hey, I have a request of you. That's let's basically what this email is. He's saying, let's uh, get our story straight before yes. we go in there. Yeah. Also, can you please help me uh, spin my narrative? <laughs> What's interesting uh, and is- Apparently, there was multiple emails like this. So that was just, this is just one email. There's other emails like here. Here's another one. Almost the same copy pasta. So here, the, here's a different email to a different person. Hey, Ray. Uh, hey, Mr. Ray. Uh, who is this? Uh, Ray, John Ray. Uh, I know things haven't gotten off on the right foot, but I do want to be helpful whether on the funds or on anything else. Hopefully it's just you guys moving the funds. I don't know what that means, but it's not good. As, a, as I'm guessing you heard, I'm in New York City for the next day. I'd love to meet up while I'm here or ev- even if just to say hi. Why does SBF have enough time on his hands to just say hi to people? In case you're available, I'm free before noon Eastern or from roughly four to six tomorrow, Tuesday in the city. Why oh, is he writing oh, he's all in of New the- York. Yo, SBF. Uh, Come over to my place. You want you want SBF to come over to your house? Yeah, well, well, I've got I've got a, a studio here in the back. I'll sit right there, and SBF will sit right there, and we'll do a podcast. SBF, come oh on, uh, send Can me an imagine? email. 
See, I'll send yeah, me an email. Like this. Yeah. Dear yeah. Mr. Hoffman, I know <laughs> the last conversation we had was somewhat contentious. I'm here to make amends. At first, I wanted to say I'm sorry. I'd be happy to swing by your place. Don't do it, David. Um, well, you know what? This is what's happening. Of course, uh, some things like that, rumors like that. Maybe mm-hmm. these are uh, real emails and correspondences. Uh-huh. So a federal judge just barred SBF from contacting any of these people, any of the people at FTX and any of the people uh, uh, at Alameda via signal. Apparently he was doing this via signal as well. So um, they're trying to put a stop to that. To, to add on to that, in addition to he is now banned from contacting FTX and Alameda employees, he is also banned from using signal at all to contact anyone because oh, of really? sim- Yes. Yeah. He is not allowed to use signal. signal. Yes. Dad says no more signal. Sorry, yeah. SBF. Um, uh, so also- allegedly he reached out to FTX US's general counsel, Ryan Miller via signal. And I'm guessing Ryan Miller went straight to the authorities, which is probably why we know that. Yeah. I'm, I think you'd probably want to do that at this point, by the way, David, if you do get DM by SBF, you should probably like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Would I get in so trouble for not reporting that to the authorities? If SBF like DM me on said, signal probably. and he was like, let's do a podcast. Do I have to report that to the Depends authorities? Depends what else or, or, he said after that <laughs> sentence, I think. SBF, hit me up, bro. <laughs> on SBF's mother and brother are not cooperating with the financial probe, uh, apparently. It's very weird how his family is tied up into this. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll see some more unfolding there. As yeah. soon as the documentary comes up, produced by Malk, Mark Wahlberg. This is, not, Mark? this is not a rug. This should be your rug like news article. Marky Mark. It is so, that's a difficult ask, Ryan, to make the rug produce the most ridiculous headlines <laughs> in this space. That is a hard ask. So I've heard there are many different documentaries. So Marky yeah. Mark's going to have his work cut out for him if he's going to produce the canonical documentary. This one's about FTX and Binance, though. Some mm. sort of rivalry. Uh, wow. How weird is this? I, Mark Mark Wahlberg making a <laughs> documentary about FTX. This is a great timeline. I just wish he starred in it. Who would, in, <laughs> we, we, are, we are deserve, we deserve this. this we deserve we this? Deserve. Crypto deserves yeah, in this? In a good way. Yeah. Like we've gone through way. so much pain. We need Marky Mark to... Uh, Marky Mark's he's only producing it, David. I, I need him oh, to be in it. Oh, he's not in it? No, he's not in it. Fine. Fine. That's fine. I mean, he would make a great... Let me see. Marky Mark. Who's he the most like in crypto? Uh, he can be, hmm. there's no one like Marky Mark in crypto. Yeah. Have any analog? Uh, I don't, I'm not very good at, at Brian at, Armstrong. Uh, no, not even close. It, it would be a, yeah. Uh, I don't know. No. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, Marky Mark's only producing it. He's not acting in it. So, uh, <laughs> that's the news this week. Those are the big news items. <laughs> David, what do we got coming up next? Why should people stick around? Uh, you should stick around because this is apparently a very giggly episode. Ethereum OFAC compliance. Is it up or down? Place your bets. Uh, also, after that, which communities are willing to self-limit their staking percentage for the stake of the uh, for the sake of the Ethereum economy? Uh, we also got talks about Optimism Bedrock, uh, staking withdrawals, Testnet, uh, Immutable X, uh, Harmony, mismanaging funds and bullying workers. We're going to talk about that. It doesn't look good. Uh, the Blur and Open Sea Wars, Cardano Stablecoin. We are able to look inside of WorldCoin Orb. Oh, there's so many reasons to stick around, so don't go anywhere. But first, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this episode possible. Uniswap is the largest on-chain marketplace for self-custody digital assets. Uniswap is, of course, a decentralized exchange, but you know this because you've been listening to Bankless. But did you know that the Uniswap web app 
has a shiny new fiat on-ramp. Now you can go directly from fiat in your bank to tokens in DeFi inside of Uniswap. Not only that, but Polygon, Arbitrum, and Optimism Layer 2s are supported right out of the gate. But that's just DeFi. Uniswap is also an NFT aggregator, letting you find more listings for the best prices across the NFT world. With Uniswap, you can sweep floors on multiple NFTs and Uniswap's universal router will optimize your gas fees for you. Uniswap is making it as easy as possible to go from bank account to bankless assets across Ethereum. And we couldn't be more thankful for having them as a sponsor. So go to app.uniswap.org today to buy, sell, or swap tokens and NFTs. Arbitrum One is pioneering the world of secure Ethereum scalability and is continuing to accelerate the Web3 landscape. Hundreds of projects have already deployed on Arbitrum One, producing flourishing DeFi and NFT ecosystems. With the recent addition of Arbitrum Nova, gaming and social dApps like Reddit are also now calling Arbitrum home. Both Arbitrum One and Nova leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum and provide a builder experience that's intuitive, familiar, and fully EVM compatible. On Arbitrum, both builders and users will experience faster transaction speeds with significantly lower gas fees. With Arbitrum's recent migration to Arbitrum Nitro, it's also now 10 times faster than before. Visit Arbitrum.io where you can join the community, dive into the developer docs, bridge your assets, and start building your first dApp. With Arbitrum, experience Web3 development the way it was meant to be. Secure, fast, cheap, and friction-free. Let's start this off with some good news. Did you know, David, OFAC compliant blocks are now down, they're less than 60%. Mm -hmm. That is down from something like 80 to 85% right. at their peak. First of all, refresh people, what are we talking about when we say OFAC compliant blocks? We're talking the context of Ethereum and why is that being down a good thing? Why are we saying that's a good thing? Yeah, so there are certain sets of block relayers. There's not that many of them. And some of them have stated, hey, we are an OFAC compliant relayer, as in we will not process any tornado cast transactions in our blocks. And so the percentage of blocks going through these relayers is what we're looking at here. Uh, and so uh, over time, more and more of these relayers were processing more and more of the Ethereum blocks being OFAC compliant. That hit 85% at the peak, I think is what you said. It's worth noting that it only takes one relayer to process non-OFAC compliant blocks. So Ethereum doesn't, like your tornado cast transaction, if you're outside of the US, doesn't get censored unless it, it one can never really be censored. It can never it can just really be, be censored. Down. Yes, exactly. And so even at 99.9% of OFAC compliance, you are still able to get your transaction in. You just have to wait longer. That, like you said, peaked out at 85%. We are now down to 60%. And uh, the, the this number is falling because there are more and more non-OFAC compliant relays uh, coming up and online. Uh, Ultrasound Money, the Ultrasound website that we love so much, has a relayer. There's Agnostic Boost, which has a Relayer, and this is this is just going to trend towards zero over time. Um, not totally. Towards It'll never zero. be completely It'll never, zero. Yeah, It'll but like so people will want to maintain like compliance with their nation state. Like shocker. Um, but the, yeah. the fear and fud around this thing was always totally misguided. And like Ryan and I said, like it's it's was going to inevitably fix itself, and we are currently watching that play out. The lowest it's been since October 2022. Why do we care so much about this? Is because the credible neutrality and censorship resistance of a layer one blockchain matters yeah all right if it's not ofac it's somebody else trying to censor you mm -hmm. and uh, that's a bad thing for a credibly neutral settlement layer for the world um david ethereum news as well the uh staking withdrawal test net mm -hmm. has just gone live that means it's coming right we said that last week yep. but uh still on track it looks like the upgrade to ethereum 
uh, that will enable withdrawals. Withdrawals of stake is, is coming pretty fast. Yeah, users will be able to try out the with various withdrawals and deposit features six days after the testnet launches when it will be implemented in the Shanghai and Capella testnets. Uh, and so users will can uh, try out depositing to validators, get a sense for how the user interface will behave, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, on track for withdrawals in late March. Uh, but that late March timeline is a timeline that is my speculation that is not uh, any, any official timeline. Yeah, um, I'm sure we'll have a lot of content about what's oh, going to yeah. happen to ETH price oh. around that. Um, could it go up? Could it go down? We will see. Uh, some news from Optimism. Bedrock is mm -hmm. to be deployed. What is Bedrock? Bedrock is the new Optimism mainnet. Uh, and so it is the first application of the OP stack, which I am super bullish on. Uh, and so oh, the Optimism's Bedrock is their flavor of the OP stack. OP stack is like this uh, uh, uniform skeleton for producing any sort of Optimism chain. And so Optimism Bedrock is the proposal to have the Optimism layer 2 upgrade to Bedrock is now being put forth to the token house. So this is the Optimism dual house governance model. You have the citizens house and the token house. The token house is, of course, the OP token holders. The citizen house is the holders of a soulbound NFT that makes you part of the Optimism Collective. It's basically like non-fungible governance plus fungible governance. So not just token vote, but also known citizens of the, of the citizen house uh, making proposals and then the OP token house uh, voting and to approve or not approve. Uh, so this is Bedrock is the next crucial uh, upgrade to a modular, simp simplified and performant multi-chain future. Uh, and like I said, it is uh, implements the modular architecture that separates the OP stack into its three components, consensus, execution and settlement. Yeah, pretty cool. It turns it my the way I think of it very simply is it turns optimism into sort of a uh, an app chain ecosystem where anybody yes. can spin up an optimistic roll-up chain. Yes, it sets the foundation for it. that, yes. Yeah. Um, this is uh, some interesting culture wars between mm -hmm. RPL, the Rocket Pool community, and Lido. Um, this is the tweet from Nixo saying, <coughs> absolutely wild how different two protocol votes can look when one community is active, invested in long-term health of the chain, and the other is there for dominance and short-term gains. Well, that, that might be a... Uh, rocket pool sided uh, tweet there, yeah. but what is actually happening? What is the the neutral way to interpret what what's happened? Some on chain vote. Mm -hmm. What were they voting about? Yeah, so Lido voted as to whether or not they should self-limit. And what this means is that if you are above a certain threshold of the percentage of Ethereum stake, that threshold being 33%, you have more powers than you would have if you had less than 33%. And so if things are more decentralized if something like Lido were to have 33% of all Ethereum stake. So Lido, once upon a time, voted, do we self-limit ourselves to preserve the credible neutrality of Ethereum? And 998 uh, percent of Lido voters said no, don't self limit. Uh, this that was back in June, by the th way. This was a long time ago. Yes, but what's yeah. news is that Rocket Pool just did the vote uh, for the same vote, saying uh, should Rocket Pool self limit ourselves. Uh, and not go above that 33% threshold. And 100% of Rocket Pool votes said yes. Uh, and so this is just the difference of culture here. Uh, and so the, the Anthony Cezano take is that it shouldn't need to be said, but that Lido is a for-profit company while Rocket Pool is a uh, protocol that attempts to establish credible neutrality. Uh, so culture wars. Here we go. Yeah, culture wars. I mean, both approaches will be tried, certainly. What is the immutable uh, Rock, uh, passport? It's, it's also worth noting, and just to check our biases here, Ryan and I and Bankless are a part of the ODAO for Rocket Pool. Uh, so we do own a supply of Rocket Pool uh, 
we do own a supply of RPL. We also stake with Rocket Pool, so we have exposure to the Rocket Pool side of things. The reason why we do that is because Rocket Pool tends to be more aligned with Ethereum. So Bankless tends to be more aligned with Rocket Pool. I think that's a fair take. Is that a fair take? That's a fair take, but we also have some Lido tokens too, David. And Lido has been a sponsor in the past. Yeah. I did not know that. The more you know. I did yeah. not know that Full we own Lido tokens. I, we're uh, we're bullish staking. Um, no, generally bullish staking, yes. Uh-huh. Immutable X, they rolled out a passport. This is instant wallet onboarding. It says the Immutable Passport is a non-custodial wallet and authentication solution that streamlines user onboarding through passwordless sign-on. Mm-hmm. Okay, here, here's a problem. You're trying to onboard a whole bunch of gamers, David. It, you have to make them create um, private keys and remember a 12 you know word, word um, seed phrase or 24 word seed phrase that's pretty hard for gamers yeah. like yeah, i just want to play my game right what are you giving me Get these, these words, words out for of my if face. i lose yeah. they're gone mm-hmm. um well this is instant onboarding it takes care of that through immutable x and it creates an authentication solution i'm also reminded you know of our news last week where um doodles was like hey we're moving blockchains we're moving from ethereum to flow mm-hmm. why because we want people to be able to sign in with their gmail account just an email account and flow gives us that out of the box and well, also so a bunch of money keys. Well, maybe. <laughs> That's the cynical take, maybe yeah. the accurate take. It's also the cynical take. But uh, Immutable X is graduating to that as well. Obviously, a core requirement to onboard the world is we have to make private key management a lot easier. So that's what mm-hmm. they're doing. Uh, David, Harmony execs mismanaged funds and bullied workers, ex-staff claim. That is the headline. What is going on in Harmony? And by the way, what is Harmony? Not another layer one ETH killer from the previous cycle? Harmony is one of those many uh, EVM clones out there in that tried to fight for relevancy in the alt layer one mania. Um, they were at ETH Denver. They flew in some DJ, some famous DJ for Ooh. like half a million dollars at ETH Denver. And the DJ, nice. this is a, a story that I've heard from previous Harmony employees. Uh, the DJ was like, uh, you have to buy me a complete DJ set for this one set. And they did. Uh, cool. <laughs> anyways, mismanagement of funds, not no surprise. So some quotes from the article, um, former contractors, accused Harmony co-founders of misconduct and mismanagement. Uh, there's a one of the founders of uh, Harmony, I don't know how to pronounce his name, TSE, say, say, uh, is uh, had this like kind of Adam Newman type cult mentality around him. Uh, so he exhibited some particular behavior, which I would consider extremely toxic, uh, shutting staffers laptop in the middle of work to command attention. Uh, employees were forced to play over an hour of basketball every single day, despite how busy or productive you're trying to be. Wait, uh, that's not normal. That, no. Uh, <laughs> then there was multiple stories about how say TSE again, I can't, I don't know that how to pronounce the name, um, would grab staff by the arm and move them around like chess pieces at companies events, talk behind their backs and belittle them in front of colleagues and associates. And also, quote, would often stand up in front of us and say, I want to cry, make me cry. And he would ask us to tell a story to try and make him cry, which was very weird. Uh, they were hiring full-time employees and paying them as contractors and the contractors didn't get time off or other benefits. Uh, again, from the article, say was physically assaulted in Harmony's Palo Alto office by one wallet co-founder. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce that name. Sorry. Um, there was a fight. He's yeah. physically assaulted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, the amount of documentaries he can make in crypto, you just got to um, find the right one to do. Uh, that's not the end of this. One wallet was a application. I think that was given a bunch of money. Uh, yes, was promised $1 million grants to build a social wallet. Uh, say ignored messages from wall- one wallet about this funding promise. And so 
promised funding, didn't pay them. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, uh, they, it, it, it's pretty bad. The There's other, more. The other story I have, which is a story from a friend of mine, uh, is that they, the employees or contractors of Harmony, were paid in the token. And so they were given a token at a certain price to compensate them for their salary as a contractor. So the, the token was marked at a certain price and then was sent to the contractors a few weeks later. And over the course of 2022, that token price was down only. And so they were never actually receiving the amount of money of that they were given in their contract because they didn't pay them in USEC or stable coins. They paid them in the L1 token. The issue that is going that uh, this particular person who used to be a contractor for Harmony um, is having is that they are now two days after before the deadline having to uh they were given some like w2 some like irs statement saying like okay here's how much we paid you you have to pay this much in taxes but the harmony incentive is to inflate how much compensation they had so they can write it off for tax benefits which means that all of their statements their uh, their claimed amount of compensation paid to contractors is overinflated because they're trying to overinflate they have to pay tax on the overinflated money right? exactly no. right and they yeah. never actually got the money out and so the story of harmony is like you have this like cult leader L1 founder and the token price went way too high. They mismanaged money. They paid for DJs. They're throwing their contractors under the bus. And the reason why I really wanted to pay attention to this is this is some of the stuff that as an industry, we have to make sure does not exist in our industry and we need to self-regulate against it. And it's Let's such a hard task. Let's not be so dumb last cycle. Like last cycle, people are so dumb. I mean, and Harmony, even specifically, people are like, why Why does Bankless not have Harmony on the podcast? Were you guys ETH maximalists? Why do you right. cover other L1 ecosystems? I'm like, mm -hmm. we don't have to cover every L1 ecosystem. I, I don't know anything about this. The way it's presenting is, uh, it, it seems a little strange. It seems mm -hmm. a little anti-crypto values. Now you find out all of this. This is why we're not like um, bringing everybody on 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 Bankless and advocating right. for their projects. There's a lot of toxicity here. What, what a poorly named project though harmony yeah like everything you described is uh, a little bit of the opposite of, of harmony i'd say and yeah. uh yeah it's a shame um yeah big big cringe harmony well, we'll leave har so like the idea is like harmony is trying to get compliant with the u.s government because they know the the eye is on them meanwhile they're just throwing all of their previous workers under the bus in order to do so harmony be better <coughs> um i'm just happy to kind of move on and leave yeah. projects like that, founders like that in the dustbin of history here. Yeah. Uh, NFT stuff though, there is a war going on. Did you know, mm -hmm. David, between Blur versus OpenSea? Tell us about it. This is a tweet from Panda Jackson giving us the TLDR. What is it? Uh, yeah, so this is a really good tweet thread. So I'm going to try and speed run this, but I'm going to read the whole thing. OpenSea and Blur are the top two NFT marketplaces. Three months ago, OpenSea defended against Blur by requiring new collections to block Blur in order to get enforced royalties. This was not necessarily like, hey, don't use our competitor. This is OpenSea's um, enforcing royalty philosophy and Blur doesn't enforce royalties. And so these are antagonists. Royalties for the creators. That, royalties that for the creators, yes. I'm a creator. I have an NFT. Every time that gets sold, there's a 5% royalty. I get that money. Right. And OpenSea's like, we want to enforce that for the creators, right? So that's at the their, smart the contract level. Yes, enforce it, it at the smart contract level. And so OpenSea trying to enforce that at the smart contract level is uh, asynchronous with what Blur is trying to do, which is trying to have the best NFT trading experience for the lowest prices, which means they don't enforce royalties. Blur tried to get itself removed from OpenSea's block list, but it failed. Um, three days ago from this tweet thread, which was two days ago, so five days ago, 
six days ago since the time of listening, sorry, uh, Blur took a free ride on OpenSea's Seaport protocol to bypass OpenSea's block list. Uh, I'll explain what that means. So now all collections are now accessible for trading on Blur. And so the idea is that like NFT um, collections would have to pick one or the other, OpenSea or Blur. What do you do? You want to uh, incentivize trading and then you go to Blur. Do you want to incentivize and enforce royalties? You go to OpenSea. Blur found this clever way to embed itself into OpenSea and open up the doors once again so collections can go back to Blur. So uh, in November of 2022, OpenSea implemented a new policy. Collections seeking enforced royalties must block marketplaces that don't fully honor them. Since Blur didn't honor royalties, they are on the block list. Uh, after Blur's launch in 10 of 2022, October, uh, it was on the rise and even surpassed OpenSea's daily volume for some time, becoming a threat to OpenSea's dominance. OpenSea's new policy effective, effectively created a defense line def to defend its dominant position from emerging competitors like Blur. In the short term, OpenSea's defense line has been proven effective as new collections like Liuka's Sewer Pass chose to align with OpenSea and they blocked Blur. Uh, Blur responded by promising to enforce royalties for new collections, and then they made a request claiming that Blur met OpenSea's criteria so that they'd be uh, removed from the block list. Uh, OpenSea, however, replied that his policy required enforcing royalties for all collections, not just new collections. As a result, Blur could not defeat its offenses and still existed on OpenSea's block list. So Blur finds a loophole by leveraging OpenSea's Seaport to create a new exchange system. As Seaport, which is a product out of OpenSea, it's a smart contract, uh, is not on OpenSea's block list, it makes sense. Collections blocking Blur become tradable on it through the new system and with enforced royalties. As a result, Blur now has two systems to execute two different kinds of trades on its marketplace. The old one continues to handle collections that do not block it, while the new one manages, to, uh, manages collections previously blocked. User experience is smooth as Blur chooses the system automatically. So basically, Blur has two systems, one that is OpenSea compliant and the OpenSea uncompliant one uses the Seaport smart contracts, which makes it OpenSea compliant. So like Blur basically snuck into OpenSea and can still do like no Why do we uh, care? Why trading. does any of this matter, David? I think the, the answer to that is really just summed up by Legion's tweet here. She says, it looks like we're converging on zero creator royalties. This likely leads to higher initial mint prices and more frequent mints. Creators reserve or withhold more of their collections to capture ongoing value. And they also incentivize carrots to uh, incentivize optional royalties with more perks slash utilities. This is really about the conversation of can we enforce royalties and does the market want that? Yeah, I think it's really interesting, right? Because there's an element where I could see some some creators wanting royalties, right? It's just almost like it's almost like copyright. Yeah. In the kind of the nation state world, if you're an author, maybe you want copyright laws to protect your work so you can make the most money out of it. Now, there's an element I could see creators would want to enforce that royalty, but assets, liquidity, markets want to be free, don't mm -hmm. they? Yep. And so if they can bypass royalties, they absolutely will. And so that's why Lee Jin is saying, well, when you have Blur fighting against OpenSea, the one that bypasses the royalty is ultimately going to win because mm -hmm. these royalties are not really enforced <coughs> deeply at the protocol level. Um, and so they can, be, they can be bypassed, which is interesting. And that just means the market will respond differently. Creators will be mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm not getting royalties. So what am I going to do? Maybe I mint a collection, but I reserve a bunch of that for my treasury because mm -hmm. I know I'm not getting royalties in the future. Maybe I do smaller, more frequent um, mints. That's sort of the, the creator response to this. But in general, I'm not concerned about this. Like, I just think the market will figure it out. Yeah. And uh, these are good, good things to, yeah. to have um, be figured out in the, in the market. 
Um, Cardano has a brand new stable coin over collateral over collateralized stable coin called DJED, 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 pegged to the US dollar, backed by ADA with Shen as its reserve coin. Congrats, Cardano, you've made it to 2018 Ethereum. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, moving on, WorldCoin is opening up uh, the hardware powering the orb. So if you want to take a peek under the or under the hood of the orb, you can see how the orb works. Uh, this is something that has been kept secret. Uh, the the secret sauce behind how WorldCoin works, which is why I've never stuck my eyeball. You, you in there. stick your eye socket in this, and they give you coins. Are yes. you going to do it? <laughs> yes. Absolutely no. not. No. <laughs> that this is way creepy. too dystopian. Yeah. You no. would never do this. Real world I identity. I don't even care if like this. I'll just put my bias on the table here. I don't even care if they come out on the table and be like, yo, we don't collect any data. We don't use your data. Here's we can prove that to you. Don't make sci-fi dystopian toys. <laughs> don't do that. This image alone, right? Just I stick don't your care. eye in here. Or <laughs> I don't know. That's that's going to be an uphill battle, I think, for them. People don't even like to go to the optometrist. You ever been to the optometrist, David? Not Speaking on behalf time, of all yeah. the glasses wearers. You know yeah. that thing that like that, that um where they test your eye pressure and they shoot like a burst of air into your eye. I don't know that. I hate that thing. I've had that. You have to you like literally they you make you hate. like hold you have to hold your eye open and you don't know when it's coming and then just like a burst of air right in your eye. That's what this that reminds me. That sounds awful. Sorry, Worldcoin. Maybe it's way better than we're saying. Um, <laughs> who knows? But it's just. Uh, I'm sorry. You, you made a dystopian looking orb thing that I'm supposed to stick my eye into. That's your guys's problem. <laughs> <laughs> wow, David's not even willing to embrace the tech. No uh, it's no hard way. to go mainstream that way. All right, Celsius just listed the names of people eligible to withdraw. What did we learn here? Celsius has published the names of users who are allowed to withdraw 94% of their assets locked on the platform. Ryan, have you tried to get your money back out of Celsius No, yet? they haven't contacted me. Where do I go? <laughs> I don't know, dude. Am I? It's only users under a, a certain criteria. Transfers had to be less than some amount, $7,500. Uh, what else? And only specific, I don't know, some subset were able some, to get some yeah. money out. Let us know. Congrats. <laughs> hey, 94% recovery. If that is what it is, that's great. For 10 dudes got this, David. That's probably it. Who oh. knows? I'm not very happy about, like, I'm sure Celsius users are not happy about what's what's going on in Celsius for sure. The money ain't there is the big problem. Uh, this is something I saw which was interesting, but I didn't get a chance to dive in. Maybe you know more. Elon Musk wants Twitter's payment system to be built with crypto in mind. Hmm. Yeah, so he is alleged to wanting to make Twitter into an everything app. Sounds like like the the China apps, like the WeChat, uh, and includes having money in there. Uh, Not necessarily crypto, but not not crypto. And that's the news. What else do you use besides crypto? Use a stable coin or something. Everything well, else no, you is can so do hard like, to... You can do like Venmo stuff. You can do like nation state payment rails. I know, but that's all connecting into like the banking system and like, you know, Plaid. He's, he's really not a crypto person, Ryan. He's, he's Elon Musk. Come on, Elon. I don't understand why he doesn't get on board. Uh, David, what do we got here? Amazon NFT initiative coming soon. The exclusive from, from Blockworks. What are they? What is Amazon doing with the NFTs? Uh, no one knows. They just said that they're doing an NFT initiative. It's coming in the spring. <laughs> that's, that's the news. Really exciting. We'll mm-hmm. see what that is. David, what do we got coming up next? Incoming is questions from the nation. If we have privacy in crypto, will the bad guys be able to get away with it? And also open NFT mints. Are they an open thing? And then also Ryan is going to talk to us exactly what Max Payne is. It has to do with taxes. Uh, but <laughs> So stay tuned for all of that and more. But first, a moment to talk about these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. 
The Phantom Wallet is coming to Ethereum. The number one wallet on Solana is bringing its millions of users and beloved UX to Ethereum and Polygon. If you haven't used Phantom before, you've been missing out. Phantom was one of the first wallets to pioneer Solana staking inside the wallet and will be offering similar staking features for Ethereum and Polygon. But that's just staking. Phantom is also the best home for your NFTs. Phantom has a complete set of features to optimize your NFT experience. Pin your favorites, hide the uglies, remove the spam, and also manage your NFT sales listings from inside the wallet. Phantom is of course a multi-chain wallet, but it makes chain management easy, displaying your transactions in a human readable format with automatic warnings for malicious transactions or phishing websites. Phantom has already saved over 20,000 users from getting scammed or hacked. So get on the Phantom waitlist and be one of the first to access the multi-chain beta. There's a link in the show notes, or you can go to phantom.app slash waitlist to get access in late February. Hey, Bankless Nation. If you're listening to this, it's because you're on the free Bankless RSS feed. Did you know that there's an ad-free version of Bankless that comes with the Bankless Premium subscription? No ads, just straight to the content. But that's just one of many things that a premium subscription gets you. There's also the Token Report, a monthly bullish, bearish, neutral report on the hottest tokens of the month. And the regular updates from the Token Report go into the Token Bible, your first stop shop for every token worth investigating in crypto. Bankless Premium also gets you a 30% discount to the Permissionless Conference, which means it basically just pays for Itself. There's also the airdrop guide to make sure you don't miss a drop in 2023. But really, the best part about Bankless Premium is hanging out with me, Ryan, and the rest of the Bankless team in the Inner Circle Discord only for premium members. Want the alpha? Check out Ben the Analyst's DGen Pit, where you can ask him questions about the token report. Got a question? I've got my own Q&A room for any questions that you might have. At Bankless, we have huge things planned for 2023, including a new website with login with your Ethereum address capabilities, and we're super excited to ship what we are calling Bankless 2.0 soon TM. So if you want extra help exploring the frontier, subscribe to Bankless Premium. It's under 50 cents a day and provides a wealth of knowledge and support on your journey west. I'll see you in the Discord. Guys, we're back with the questions from the nation. This is a question from Abraham CR. They say, I listened to the news on the wormhole hacker activity during last week's rollup. What will happen when we have fully deployed ZK rollups? Will we lose track of how the hacker is behaving? Do you have an hourglass to catch these people before ZK check ZK is fully implemented? So what happens, David, when we get privacy on chain? Do the hackers just get away with everything? Is that a bad outcome or a good outcome? Uh, first, I want to make sure that we're not um, mixing up something. ZK rollups are not private by default. Necessarily, yes. Necessarily. They can be. Uh, Aztec is a ZK ZK rollup, uh, and Aztec is private, but anything like the Polygon or ZK Sync or any other ZK rollup isn't Scroll, necessarily, not it's private. not privacy technology, mm-hmm. but you can do privacy technology on a ZK rollup. So I just want to make sure that is true. Aztec is really the only one that we're aware of that thing, is kind yeah. of farthest beyond that is privacy on a ZK rollup. Yeah. You know how actually this Tornado Cash smart contract on the Ethereum layer one is banned by OFAC, but can't you just deploy Tornado Cash on a layer two and then use that? Because it's a different contract address. I don't know. I don't know what happens if you do that. It's going to have trouble. I don't know. Did you? I don't know. Anyways, uh, What's okay, legal so in this country? I don't know. I, I think the in spirit of this question is, in the future, we're probably going to have a bunch of privacy tools, correct? And the yes. answer to that is 100%. Yeah. Yes. Uh, if that is the case, 
will we just lose track of the hacker hackers? Uh, the answer to that is probably, but it's also going to be a cat and mouse game. It's going to be just like an arms race, like everything else. So privacy tools will get better and then tracing tools will get better. And then Mm -hmm. privacy tools will get better and tracing tools will get better. Mm -hmm. I will say that, uh, cryptography always tilts power to the hands of the individual. Mm -hmm. And so I would say individuals over institutions are, have the advantage here. Um, but that does not mean that institutions can't brute force this and figure out where that stolen money went. They can figure it out. Honestly, I'm, I'm fine with an internal, an eternal cat and mouse game. I feel Mm -hmm. like that balance of power where Mm -hmm. a little bit individual side, uh, a little bit the state and they come back and forth, back and forth. I mean, a lot of things about, uh, crypto and blockchain make things more easily traceable. A lot of things about the internet make things more easily traceable. But if you remove crypto and you remove privacy on chain, right, then, oh my God, it is complete surveillance. The individual has no protection against this. Mm -hmm. And then it's just like, there is, I mean, there's, there is no mouse. There's just cats Mm -hmm. kind of controlling everything. Right. Right. And so I sort of like the back and forth of the surveillance tools get, get smarter. Crypto gets a little better, invent solutions. Like, I think that's important for a, a society like this. And let's, also remind folks listening to this is think about cash. We've had the existence of cash money, which is not digitally traceable for hundreds of years. Mm. And before that, we had other non-traceable analog forms of money for thousands of years. The world didn't end. It was okay. Like we're all fine. I mean, of course there was some illicit activity, but authorities found ways to go find where that illicit activity was in real life Mm -hmm. and bust the bad guys. That'll be the same. What we're talking about in the absence of on-chain privacy solutions is a complete surveillance of every single tra- transaction that every person in the world ever does. That does not feel like a good balance of power. That, that feels very scary to me. So this is why Bankless, we are advocates mm-hmm. of on-chain privacy, even acknowledging that there is some trade-off there and some bad guys may get away with some things some of the time. And we know that nation states are going to make it harder for individuals to access privacy. But as an industry, we will fight back about this. And eventually, I have very strong confidence that individuals will be able to fully access total and complete privacy tools uh, because that is our constitutional right. We just have to have this phase of time where we fight where, where we fight them. Yeah, let's fight for the social norms. I mean, yeah. like, imagine yeah. if the nation state said all communication should be unencrypted. Right. Uh, let's ban Signal. Sorry. Yeah. We need a copy via our PRISM database of all electronic communication that all of our... Why? To, to make sure we don't have domestic terrorism, right? Mm-hmm. Or international terrorism, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not an advocate for that. And what does no. it mean? It, it means that some bad people will communicate bad things and organize using these communication technology. But um, yeah, that's, that's just the trade-off that we have to live with if we're going to have a yeah. free society. That's uh, yeah. my take on it anyway. Here's a, a second question from Zero X Redden. Hey guys, curious to get your thoughts around the open edition meta that is happening in the NFT space. Feels like creators are moving away from the traditional NFT 721s and 1155s. Do you feel like open editions make NFTs more accessible to the mainstream? What's your take on this? What's an open edition, David? Yeah, an open edition is an NFT mint that doesn't have a cap. Uh, and so anyone can come and mint it. Sometimes they close it in time. So like you have 24 hours to mint this, but there's no like supply cap. Um, there is uh, in the world of NFT Twitter right now, people are talking about like, do they like open mints? And I've heard a lot of collectors say they don't really like open mints. Um, 
it kind of like takes the magic out of it. But I think creators do like open mints. Uh, why that is true, I think is uh, is interesting to unpack. The question, do you think open editions will make NFTs more accessible to mainstream? I don't really think that's the secret sauce. Um, I think there are reasons to do open mints. I think there are reasons to do closed mints. I think we will ultimately settle on whatever the market will figure this out. And it's kind of the, up to the creator, right? Because they're the one who gets to do this choice. And they're probably going to pick the one, the mechanism of NFT minting that puts the most amount of money into their pockets. If that's yeah, it's just mint. a new experiment to try, right? So yeah. this is um, mm-hmm. a NFT, I believe this is a, a producer and artist um, mm-hmm. on the music side of things who tried an open mint experiment. And this is a thread I ran across, uh, David, uh, you know, uh, I was thinking of when I read this question, he, he did a open mint for um, an open edition drop of some music, I believe. And he said with just under two hours left and 200 editions sold, here are a few of his takeaways. His takeaway was the pace of an open edition felt overall healthier. He had his OG collectors waiting at the doors eager to collect, but he was surprised with the trickle effect he got through the rest of the day. He sold close to 75 additional NFTs after the first hour. He said it was way less stress for the collector because as a collector, uh, you can mm-hmm. take the time uh, to to buy the NFT. You don't have to go to the store being bummed that everything uh, is on back order. And he said there was less pressure on the artist as well. He said the price and, and quantity dynamic goes out of the window, making the decision for the artist way easier. So th- there were some benefits, and he summarizes mm-hmm. this thread in his experience saying, open editions aren't necessarily the end-all, be-all model, but the overall steps forward for both the artist and collector feel like a net positive for most cases. So this mm-hmm. particular artist, like the experiment, will probably try it again. And that's what's going to happen. There's a lot of experimentation around open editions, and that's kind of bullish, kind of healthy. I think that's I think that's a good perspective. Uh, you and I both missed the Chris uh, Chris Berniski uh, Bankless Mint because it was the closed. Pod- our podcast mint. Our podcast mint, yeah, the Bankless yeah. NFT podcast collectible, and we, we missed it. We, we, we were recording another podcast, uh, which bummed me out because I really wanted to collect that one. Uh, if it had been an open mint, I wouldn't have had felt I wouldn't have felt rushed. All of the all of the Bankless NFT collectibles have like sold out inside of five blocks. So if you are not there ready to mint, then you're probably not going to get it. And then it's also like kind of a problem for collectors on the other side of the world. So sorry, people in Asia who want to collect the Bankless podcast, we do it in Eastern times. Um, yeah. Perhaps an open mint fixes this. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe it's something we try in the future. Uh, David, let's get some takes of the week. <coughs> McDonald's saying, oh, we're no. all going to make it. Oh, no. Why are you uh, mad about is, that? This is Binance. Uh, uh, God, I hate it when corporate Twitter accounts talk to each other. Don't I don't like know it. why McDonald's tweeted this, but in January 26, they they tweeted out, what did I miss? I don't really know the context behind that tweet. Binance, the Twitter account behind Binance responds, a lot of green candles. And then McDonald's responds to Binance saying, uh, Wagami, we're, we're all going to make it. It's like, uh, come on, guys. That's cringe. <laughs> That's cringe for yeah. you. Yeah. Especially McDonald's. when markets are pumping. They're going to they're gonna <laughs> cause the top. <laughs> Okay. Well, that's that's your take. All right, I have Ryan, a take. All right, guys, Ryan's talking about taxes. All right, here you ready we go. For this? <laughs> Tax time. Do you know what I got? So, uh, people know I had some uh, fun stuck in Gemini Earn account. Lots mm-hmm. of fun. They sent me this email, and it says we are writing to inform you that Gemini has requested a thirty day extension from the IRS to provide forms ten ninety nine MSK MISC to Gemini Exchange account holders for the tax year twenty twenty two. I was like, oh, what is that? Oh, it turns out, of course, because of taxes. Uh, the interest you earn in Gemini Earn is all taxable at the time you receive that interest, okay? So it's taxable. You receive income. 
So if you receive $100 in the month of, of May last year in your Gemini Earn account, then you owe the taxes on the $100 that you receive, right? This is how most accountants would, would kind of interpret these tax rules. Well, the pain of all of this, David, is you're a Gemini Earn customer. You lost all of your money, probably, mm-hmm. in Gemini Earn. Maybe you get some of it back later. Who knows when? Perhaps years. For all intents and purposes, you lost it all. Guess what, David? You, you still have to pay IRS taxes on your interest. <laughs> this is so that, grounded. to me, is the definition of max pain. It's this Wojak right here, tears crying, coming out and like, and this this applies for Celsius or BlockFi, Gemini Earn, any of the C5 lenders. The uh, you can't like you the, can't you have is, to pay taxes to... on money that was stolen from you, and that to me is like peak pain. And I don't know if you sometimes it's back to like if you don't laugh about it, you're, you're gonna cry, right? Uh, or maybe do a bit of both. But uh, that is my definition of max pain, my friend. See, this is why I have to get other somebody else to do my taxes because I'll be like, oh, I'm not paying that. I didn't actually receive any of the money. Oh, because you like the you're going by rules of fairness. Yeah, common like, sense. Yeah. Oh, rules of fairness and common right. sense. Yeah. Sorry, that's yeah, the, not what this, the IRS does. So, they have so, their own set of rules. Because the IRS doesn't go by rules and common sense, I have to pay someone, an accountant, to care on my behalf or else I'll go to jail because I know I won't do it right. Yeah, this is... Uh, this is <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's. Uh, I'm sorry for anyone listening who's in that position. I'm somewhat in that position too. Uh, mm. And uh, it kind of sucks. That's Max Payne, my friend. Okay, this is the favorite tweet I saw of the week. This was not added to the agenda by Ryan. This was added to the agenda by me. But this oh, was Ryan's you. tweet. So congrats, Ryan. Favorite tweet of the week. Uh, Ryan Sean Adams tweets out, Money and government will exist in greater purity the less they are mixed together. I got shivers when I read this one. You, you like this? Oh, I loved it so much. Yeah. What uh-huh. if I told you this was a stolen tweet? No. Yes. AI this is a stolen tweet. tweet. I was about to comment. It's like, man, this is not very AI of you, but right, it is, is pretty AI is, of you to this steal is it from a James, This is a James Madison quote. Who's that? Okay, framer of the Constitution. Uh-oh. Founding father, James Madison, way back in the 1700s. Uh-huh. You know, like uh, one of the originators of the Constitution, you know, yeah. Madison, did, did Jefferson, Did it say church and government Hamilton. will exist in great? Is that where it yes. came from? Wow. He said, his quote was, church and government will exist in greater purity the less they are mixed together. And I just subbed that out for money because I think the same is true. This was, is why, you I know how much. Like, like, this is uncharacteristically human of you, but then you gave me that explanation. I said, no, that's the most AI thing I can think of. It's such a good take, though. <laughs> it and is such a good the take. The thing about, like, um, the, like, the framers of the Constitution is money was already separated yeah. from state at the time they wrote this. Their big thing was trying to get religion separated from state, mm-hmm. which turned out to be a really good idea and a very strong protocol design for a democracy, for a republic governed by the people. Well, now uh, we've got money injected mm-hmm. into the state. And I bet if some of the framers were around today, people who really think about power, power dynamics in government, they would be advocates for this position too. Mm-hmm. Is like, we'll have money and government in greater purity if we don't mix them together as much, if we can separate them. And that is definitely um, the take of crypto. But like, Money in politics isn't that such a like a terrible co- combination. Right. Money in state yeah. isn't that such a corrupting force. It's just like these things should be separated, shouldn't they? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's why I'm bullish crypto, David. 
Yeah. Uh, for, for any Bankless listener that wants some light weekend reading, read the article, A Most Peaceful Revolution by Nick Carter. It all talks about when, uh, and this also fits with the uh, sovereign individual thesis, is like crypto is going to unbundle money from the state and it's going to force the state to be market competitive with the services that they provide. When they can no longer issue money and print money out of thin air, they have to be market competitive with social uh, the safety net infrastructure stuff like this and so it takes away the privilege of them being able to just print money to pay for their mistakes and forces them into being at the whim of the market the market makes them good uh which i think the when the market when you don't have to uh, adhere to the rules of the market you become corrupt and stagnant and you rest on your laurels you know you're you're making me want to have uh, rowan gray back on the podcast and argue with him a little bit Sure. About uh, this. Bring on a statist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he would take the exact opposite position. He'd be like, no, shit brain. It's, um, he'd probably say that too. <laughs> it's actually, it's like uh, having money tied in the state actually makes money accountable in a democracy to the people. Mm. And that is the way you should actually do things. Mm. Get your capitalist. Uh, ideas out of here get your free market right. uh, kind of ideas out of here you and know i actually don't really think rowan gray and us like disagree we just have a roundabout way of coming to the same conclusion but we're like i think the one thing we disagree on he's w- he's way too optimistic on like the incorruptible on, power right. of the nation state yes. and i'm like in like i think we right. are much uh yeah anyway that's a good debate yeah. if you want to go back in the bankless archives look up rowan gray and bankless uh david here's another take what's this uh, this is from uh, Lido, uh, and just because this is so aligned with what we say, uh, Lido's doing the all caps, lower caps, caps, lower caps, like making a farce of a statement, and he's saying, I don't understand the tokenomics of layer two tokens. And he re- continues, mate, they have better business models than alt layer ones like Solana. The business model is easy. They sell block space on layer two and they buy block space on layer one and pocket some nice spreads on the difference while still offering end users 10 times cheaper transactions. Yep. I thought that was a great way of summarizing the Succinct. layer two business model. They buy block space on the layer one. They sell block space on the layer two. And with compression technology, they can pocket the difference. Yep, they are value-added resellers yep. in the supply chain of block space. But layer two is value-added resales. The last take of the week: uh, Who wrote this? Who wrote this report? Uh, Fortune. Oh, this is. Let's see. This is from the Financial News of London. Oh. Financial News of London. Meet the twenty most influential people in crypto. I'd love and to. Who are they? Who are these people? <laughs> I have no clue. These are all some like stock image headshots of people. No, no, I have they, no clue who they are. These are real people right here. Um, these are some Usman, LinkedIn Ahmed, ass photos, Diana, man. Biggs, Ombre. I've never seen any I've of these people around of these crypto. People. But they are the 20 the, most But they are the movers and shakers in the digital asset sector. They, I've the never even news. heard. Of, they've never, they haven't been on Bankless. <laughs> we should get them on. I think we've been missing a whole. How uh, come they all have these same uniform headshots? These are all Fed plants, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm excited to. I, I don't know what this full list includes, but uh, this is a joke around crypto Twitter about the 20 oh most influential God. people in, in crypto that no one's ever heard of. Uh, if these David, people were on crypto Twitter, we would eat them alive. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah any, anyone with know. that kind of like curated headshot, get the hell Don't out judge here. a book by its cover. What, what do you have against curated headshots? You ever seen my uh, Twitter profile picture? Let me show you this. Yours is okay because it's kind of meta because yours is uh, Look at this. you getting a picture of that, the Look lighting. That. <laughs> yeah, this is you put a, your MFR as a profile picture for a while and then you took it away and I'm just disappointed. You're mad about that? This is yeah. why... Um, 
a bit boy called me a suit is because of this photo. Because yeah, you know what? He was right. He's right. <laughs> bit boy had a point. Look at those glasses, dude. <laughs> what are you bullish on, David? Uh, I'm speaking of mfers. I'm a bullish on mfers. Uh, and so this was a bracelet that I'm now wearing. Uh, I'll put it up on the screen. It's kind of hidden behind my watch, but it's my mfer bla- bracelet. I've always looking for a nice bracelet. So now I've got this mfer bracelet. Where'd you get that? Uh, so an, an MFR made it for me. Oh. So an, uh, this is me, an MFR, buying MFR swag from an M- 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 MFR who made it for me. So uh, you can go link. Uh, there's a link to the to this in the show notes. This is a, a like an online store from iDanco. Uh, so if you're an MFR, you can buy an MFR bracelet. You can also upload your specific MFR, and he'll make you a silver MFR figurine that is your MFR, and cool. you can get a Crypto nice little culture. bracelet. Right. And so like we had that take a while ago that um, the Nike swoosh of Web three will be a decentralized like meme. And so this is an MFR who's made a business side hustle making MFR swag for MFRs who want to wear MFR stuff. And this is how this <laughs> meme propagates. And the cool yeah. thing is, like, this isn't owned by, you know, MFR Inc. This is just a little it's side a hustle. It's a headless brand. It's a headless brand. brand. Yeah. And I think, really I cool think it's super cool. Also, can yeah. you go back to the picture of uh, my watch? Yeah. Can you zoom in on that? Uh, I don't know. I don't have the power to can zoom in. Can you read in. it? Nope. Re- oh, it... Is this Hoffman on your watch? Yeah, dude. Hoffman watch. Wait, is this a brand name? Yeah. I saw it on Instagram and it's like Hoffman watches. I'm like, wait, my name's Hoffman. And it was $100. There can only be one David Hoffman in every every industry. This is the watch. Your boy wears a Hoffman watch. Yeah. Greatest Instagram purchase of all time. Yeah. No, that's uh, I'm really happy for your watch. And and see this, guys. Uh, So you know, just so you know, whoever you are, the financial news, this is the wrist of a real crypto influencer right here. <laughs> Sport and Hoffman watch. Hoffman Sport and watches MFR. and MFers, yeah. That's how uh-huh. you know. That's uh-huh. how you know you're dealing with the influential crypto person. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I'm bullish on, MFers and uh, I guess my last name. Also, I'm going to Starcore <laughs> Sessions tomorrow. Uh, so I'm also bullish on Starcore Sessions. I'm pretty, So shout out to all the people who are going out there. Cool. I'm glad you're taking a trip, man. Yeah, yeah, me too. Gonna gonna learn as much as possible. I'm gonna like rec- literally. I have like eight interviews lined up, and I'm gonna bring them all back for the Bankless Nation. I'm gonna turn them into content because that's what we do. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I'm also bullish on content out there as well. So I got three <laughs> things. Ryan, what are you bullish on? Uh, I'm gonna say it this week: Bitcoin block space, David. <laughs> Unironically, I'm gonna say that. Look, honestly, I mean, you sell in block space, more use cases. Uh, some of these NFTs on Bitcoin could actually be something. What else could you put in these blobs? I mean, you're not doing DeFi, but you can store some interesting things in it. Um, <coughs> you mentioned going to the Starkware conference. Mm-hmm. That is actually something that Starkware wants to do, is it wants to bring layer twos, Starkware tech to Bitcoin. You still have this look of shock, but like, Maybe you should be bullish on Bitcoin block space. I'm more um, bullish on Bitcoin block space than I was previously. I will tell you that. <laughs> well, that's it, man. I'll just leave it right there. And that takes us to the meme of the week this week. What are we looking at, David? <laughs> so this is uh, utility in an airplane just chasing down Peter Griffin from Family Guy. Uh, utility in the airplane, like, you know, trying to gun down Bitcoin and Bitcoin being Peter Griffin. Utility is coming from Bitcoin and Bitcoin just wants running away it. from it, running away from utility. Yeah. yeah it's block but that, so that's the right negative there. take. Here's the positive take, which is you have the, the cringe crying guy and the cringe crying guy is ETH, Ethereum. The cringe crying guy is like, we have a roadmap. And then you have like the Vitalik roadmap piece. And then there's <laughs> the Bitcoin Chad and Bitcoin says, looks like we've accidentally fixed the security budget. 
<laughs> that's a great take on it. I'm getting a kick out of this whole debate. It's uh, Bitcoin uh, block space sales going up and uh, people mad about it. I don't, I don't know. It seems like it's helping to me. My favorite thing about it is that like Bitcoin's a permissionless protocol. Now you can put NFTs on Bitcoin. It's just going to play out like the way that organic nature is going to allow it to play out. And we're just going to watch it every step of the way. There you go. And I'm going to be busy, busy playing a doom on the TI-83 uh, while everyone watches. Risks and disclaimers, guys. We've got to tell you, none of this has been financial advice. We don't know the use cases of Bitcoin block space in the future, but we hope to find out soon. Crypto is risky. You could lose what you put in, but we're headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.